<laughs> Good morning. I like that. Great food is pizza and Dr. Pepper. You notice that? <laughs> Can't argue with that. That's, I mean, that's awesome. Nourishing and tastes good. <laughs> good morning. It's good to see you here today. And the beautiful Lord's Day. Uh, opened the uh, door to the deck, uh, out on the deck this morning, which I've been doing every morning. And this morning, uh, 47 degrees. Uh, greeted me. Uh, I like to hear the birds sing in the morning, so I opened the door. So I had it open just a little while, and then I closed it. um, I really can't tell you that I'm thrilled about cold weather coming. Uh, I I like the, and and I love the fact that almost all summer, with the exception of, uh, should have been two days, but I think one day uh, I had the top off my Jeep and the doors off. And uh, one day I should have had it on. Um, We got this much water in the uh, floorboard. Uh, but it's, I love summer like that. And um, so seasons change, don't they? they come and go. Uh, but uh, I just want to say, you know, I, I sometimes make the comment that, that you guys look awesome. And um, I'll tell you what, uh, after getting on Facebook and seeing these um, beautiful ladies and handsome guys from Hedgesville Church um, going to homecoming, um, I'm telling you why, that we have some gorgeous people in our church, amen? Amen, I'll tell you, it's really looking nice, and I'm glad everybody's back safely and had a good time, hopefully. Well, this is the final message in the series, Going for the Gold, uh, taking a cue from the recent uh, Summer Olympic Games in Rio. Uh, we began the first Sunday talking about uh, running the race that God has placed before you. And running it in such a way that God, uh, uh, that, that you can win the prize that God has before you. Something that requires discipline and training. And then the next week, we consider the need to run with perseverance. Uh, shedding the weight of sins and distractions. And uh, realizing that this Christian life is a marathon rather than a sprint. And then last week, we took a little different slant by looking at uh, the second coming of Christ, uh, particularly the rapture, and the importance of being prepared uh, for his personal, unexpected, sudden return uh, for those who are truly following him. Uh, And that's the prize. The, The goal for which we are striving is to be with him in eternity And enjoy his presence and all that he's prepared for us and joyously serving him in our glorified bodies. That's what I'm looking forward to. And so that's my desire for each of us, that we continue in him so that, as John says in his first epistle, so that we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now today I want to simply observe that everyone's race has a start and a finish. And at the start, it's important to have in mind the finish line and what it may look like when you get there. The path on which you are running ends somewhere. It's urgent that you understand where that path will take you. And when you reach the end of it, Will you find yourself where you want to be for eternity? 
some people say, well, this path, this path I'm on is lots of fun. It's, I don't know where it's going to end, but it's a blast. That mindset is one of a fool. We need to know where we're headed, right? There is a finish line. And the path that you are on will take you somewhere. Over the course of the last 15 years that I've served as pastor here, some amazing people have finished their race and gone to be with the Lord. And they finished well. And I want to finish well also. And I want you to likewise run your race and finish strong. Well, as most of you know by now, and this, this service today, if you're looking for a typical sermon, uh, you're not getting it today. And I kind of alluded to that last Sunday. Um, this is a different service. And um, so if you think I'm going to start preaching some, at some point, um, you might be disappointed. Uh, so most of you know this by now, but I am finishing this particular leg of my race as pastor of Hedgesville Church. I will be retiring, effective on the last Sunday of November. And to be honest with you, just speaking that word retire evokes some feelings of disbelief because I can't possibly be that old. (laughs) Can I, Mom? (laughs) I don't feel old. And definitely not decrepit. I don't intend to act like that either uh, at any point soon. Uh, but I plan to continue to grow in the Lord. Uh, I continue to continue to know Him better, uh, to, to serve others, and to do what God's called me to do uh, to make the world a better place in the, in the next phase of my life. Now, since I'm retiring, and I'm speaking of the start and finish of one's race, Uh, Would you indulge me a little bit today as I recap uh, some of the ministry journey uh, from my perspective? Well, I'm a pastor still, so I can do what I want, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, having grown up as a PK, uh, that's a pastor's kid or preacher's kid, whichever you want to call, I had no particular desire to step into a similar role for myself. And it was not a career that um, I would willfully choose on my own, and I wouldn't recommend it to anyone else uh, to just uh, choose uh, arbitrarily. Uh, However, during my first year of college, intent upon pursuing a career in in, uh, civil engineering, uh, I was hungrily seeking God, was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I felt God directed me to prepare my life to serve Him in ministry. I'm not really sure what mom was thinking when I approached her and asked what she and dad would think uh, if I chose to switch from the college I was attending to Southeastern Bible College, which is uh, now Southeastern University, and study for the ministry. But I think they were probably okay with it, I think. And so three and a half years later, about to graduate, uh, I remember spending quite a number of nights in the prayer room on campus asking God to lead me uh, to the place of ministry that he would have for me. I'd been to the office of the president of the college. I'd received some applications and requests from pastors around the country for interviews uh, for positions that they had available for staff pastors. And my prayer was, 
that if God had indeed called me into the ministry, as I felt he had, that he would have to lead me and direct me throughout. And I believe God answered that prayer, uh, starting with my then fiance and me candidating over spring break for a position in Chesapeake, Virginia. I'd like for Linda to come up here um, just for a sec. She doesn't know anything about this. <laughs> she doesn't have to dress up special day. She looks nice all the time, doesn't she? <laughs> now, I use the word candidating because that church didn't leave the hiring of staff to the lead pastor the congregation voted on the staff. And, um, you know, there are some things in life that you'd like to forget. (laughs) But there's such a fiasco that you can't get them out of your mind. And so one of those uh, was that weekend that we candidated, (laughs) me for a youth associate pastor and her for a teaching position. And... um, we went to separate schools together. Um, she went to Frostburg uh, State University to be a teacher. And, of course, I was at Bible College. And so we were over 1,000 miles apart. And, and uh, much of our dating was um, through uh, once-a-week phone calls, uh, if she could get there without falling and twisting her ankle um, to get to the payphone <laughs> uh, or back, back from church. And, um, and we would send... Um, and I think we still have them, and I hope nobody ever yes. discovers them. Uh, but we have There's nothing these... to play them on now, so oh, we're true. okay. We have, we have these little cassette tapes that uh, we sent to each other, um, recording mushy stuff on, on tape. Mushy. And uh, <laughs> I hope he was nobody good. ever... Yeah. I need to re- revisit that, probably. Yes. <laughs> But that's, that, I remember that service. Uh, I played an organ, um, you know, piano, organ, uh, and quite a bit uh, prior to that time. And uh, Linda played a violin. And so uh, I don't know why we even did this. We just, we just had to showcase our talent. And so we uh, decided to do an organ-violin uh, duet. The uh, issue is the church there had just purchased this huge organ. It's an Allen organ. Uh, back then, back then, uh, it was a computer-driven um, punch cards put into it. And you could change all these sounds. It was enormous. And they yes. still were putting the speakers in on this massive thing. And so I'm trying to play a, a spinet organ on that thing. And uh, she was going to play a violin with me. So we started, and the first time she touched the bow to the string, what happened? The D string broke. <laughs> yeah. And then it went downhill from there. Um, <laughs> I had no spare with me. <laughs> she, put it, um, she put it back in the case, and I said, you can go ahead and play if you want, you know, you go ahead and play if you want to. And I did, and I shouldn't have. Um, <laughs> And what makes it really bad, I didn't know it at the time, but uh, the, the guy they hired to play that organ uh, was a music major, just graduated uh, from music school, and um, he could make that thing talk. And uh, so I showed what it couldn't do. 
But you know, the amazing thing is that God directed us there. We were elected, and um, it was pity. <laughs> could have been. But Linda was um, became part of the, um, the the first grade first first grade teacher in their Christian school, and uh, she she graduated then uh, after. So this was our spring break. We weren't married yet, and uh, she graduated from Frostburg University, and I uh, continued the fast track I was on and graduated the early summer. Uh, two weeks later, we were married, honeymooned. And within two weeks, it moved into our first apartment and literally hit the ground running. And um, I think we grabbed a van load full of missionettes and uh, drove them from Chesapeake, Virginia, all the way up here to Falling Waters and spent the week with them. And uh, so I have inside me the most amazing, supportive pastor's wife in the whole world, uh, fully supportive of me in every way. Yes. In the churches that we pastored up until here, uh, she was very, very involved uh, in ministry. Uh, and then uh, she was elected uh, to become what is now a full-time position as a women's missions director, director for our Potomac Network. And that one she still holds, and she still executes that position with great skill and anointing. And so we have a, well, I have an awesome wife, and I just want you to know that. And show some love for her if you don't mind. Okay. Thank you, Thank you. God kept his part of the deal, I believe, and directed every step of our ministry. And we've been blessed to enjoy longer pastorates at three churches uh, that I've served as lead pastor. And to be honest, let me just talk about here for a bit. Uh, I was shocked to be elected here. Uh, I candidated for this church uh, with the understanding that I would be the only candidate considered at that time. Uh, after that weekend, I come to find out, at the end of the weekend, I come to find out, uh, no, you're one of three. And um, so after all three spend a weekend here, uh, then we're going to vote. And so I had been around long enough to know that uh, in 90 some percent of the cases, uh, when it's done like that, no one is elected, and no one receives the required number of votes. And uh, being the first candidate, uh, I'm a month removed from them even seeing my face, which might be a good thing. So I didn't, I didn't expect to be elected, and so when it happened, I believed it had to be God. However, upon arrival, uh, I didn't expect to be here any longer than a year, and so I told Linda not to unpack much because uh, we wouldn't be here but a short time. And I really wasn't sure if I wanted to stay, to be honest. And those of you amazing people who were here may recall the horrendous atmosphere in the church at that time. Or maybe it was just me feeling that. But the church would empty in record time when the service is over. And that's never a sign of a healthy church. Everyone walked on eggshells, and the tension was so thick that it felt like you could cut it with a knife. And so it was an environment into which you would not invite your friends, and few, if any, did. 
The first few years were some of the most stressful and difficult years of my ministry. So tough, in fact, that contrary to my makeup, I almost decided to leave the ministry. Linda and I pulled into the school, and I sat and talked with her for a long time. I said, I'm, I'm thinking about just leaving the ministry and getting out. She said, oh, whatever you decide, I'm with you. She's always been that way. But I'm not a quitter. And also, contrary to my makeup, I found myself depressed. And again, I'm an upbeat person normally. But fortunately, I didn't know how to quit. I've never done that. And I'm glad because my part of the race here was not yet finished. Looking back, I can see how God has used events in my life to help turn things around. And by the way, turning a church around is a massive undertaking. It's kind of like a huge ship or a barge that's barreling in a direction. The huge church, the momentum of that thing heading in the wrong direction has to be arrested and eventually stopped and then turn that massive thing around and finally start it in the right direction and then attempt to gain some momentum. And that's something that without God is impossible. And so through a a two-year process, our fantastic board and department leaders, along with our staff, worked together to formulate the vision, uh, the mission, and the strategies to which we believed God was leading us. And as we implemented those strategies, major credit goes to the members of this church at that time because they not only tolerated the change, but they embraced it and they supported it. And the health and the great growth of Hedgesville Church over the last few years is a result of a team effort a product of the spirit of unity that has prevailed among us. We began seeing people saved and families following the Lord and their lives being transformed by the spirit of God. And still today, my heart uh, nearly burst with admiration and gratitude as I witnessed so many of you amazing servant leaders faithfully involved in fulfilling the mission of our church which is to serve, save, and shape our world uh, through Jesus Christ. Both on a weekly basis as you uh, do your responsibilities and also uh, through community and special events. You're amazing. And so conventional wisdom would say, hang on to that great church as long as you possibly can. And so why are you retiring? I'll be 66 years old in November couple months away. Yeah, I know, you can't believe it either. (laughs) But that's not the reason I'm retiring. I feel great. As far as I know, I'm in good health. Actually, I'm planning another crazy uh, adventure next year, in which I plan to trek across America on my bicycle. And uh, by the way, um, my bike is a Trek 520. And so that means I got a Trek across country. And I'm riding 520 miles times 10. So it's approximately 5,200 miles 
on the Transamerica route from Yorktown, Virginia to uh, Florence, Oregon, and then down the Pacific coast to Anaheim, California, in time for general council in August. So uh, I'm figuring to leave um, at this point immediately after Easter, the middle of uh, April. And uh, so, uh, yeah, you might start praying for me even now. <laughs> so you say, so is that why you're retiring? No, of course not. Uh, but the fact is, obviously, that the older I get, the harder such an undertaking will be. But that's not the reason that I'm retiring. Well, are you giving up on the church? Of course not. Is there some underlying reason of which we're not yet aware? Absolutely not. So why are you retiring? Simply put, because I feel that it is time for me to do so. As I stated earlier in the message, I believe God has directed every step of our lives in the ministry. And I have felt God direct me in this step as well. Now, to be honest with you, it's, it's not without trepidation on our part, uh, because, but that's purely on a personal level. After 43 years of continuous ministry, how do you adjust to something else? Fortunately for me, I um, have the privilege of serving our Potomac Network as uh, presbyter of a circle of pastors. And so I'll have more time to devote to that ministry. But basically the concerns that I have about retiring are the same concerns with which anyone who retires must come to grips. And so the primary reason that I'm retiring is that I believe God is directing me to do so at this time. Now some pastors, for whatever reason, have the idea that they they must pastor right up until they die. And most of the time, it generally becomes a question as to which will die first, the pastor or the church. I in no way intend to let my desires stand in the way of growth for this church. I see no scriptural mandate that one must pastor until they die. In fact, in the Old Testament, God established mandatory retirement for priests, the Levites, as to when they were to step aside from their senior role. Why, why were priests given a mandatory retirement age, usually around the age of 50? It's because after a while, and the scripture bears this out, the weight of carrying the tabernacle became too much for them. Now that concept seems like a good metaphor for today. You know, after a season... The weight of carrying the burdens, the fears, and the hopes, and the dreams of the people of God can become too much. The pastor cannot carry the church forward, and it's time to let somebody else do so. Now, someone wisely made this statement, there is no success without succession. Now, pastoral succession is the intentional process of the transfer of leadership, power, and authority from one directional leader to another. There's one cardinal rule for pastoral succession, and that is that there is no cardinal rule for pastoral succession. 
Many churches fall apart during the transition because it's not done properly. I want Hedgesville Church to do it right. And not only right, but to do it with excellence. I'm successful when the succession is successful. Pastor Chris is successful when the succession is successful. You know, in my mind, the picture that most vividly portrays the concept of succession is the 4 by 100 relay. It's a popular track event of the Summer Olympics. And uh, in this event, uh, typically uh, four world-class sprinters, uh, each running at top speed and performance, pass a baton from one to another. And that's what succession ought to look like in the church, the local church. I don't want to be that pastor standing in the middle of a track with a baton in his hand, standing still with nobody in front to hand it to. Nor do I want to wait to hand it off until I can't run anymore. But I want to be running full steam, for me at least, full stride, handing off the baton to someone else who was likewise able to run in full stride. Now, as Olympic history has repeatedly shown, the runners can be top-notch winners, but if they botch the handoff, everyone on the team loses. That was demonstrated last month in Rio when the American team won the bronze medal, or so they thought. But they were interrupted mid-celebration with the news that they had been disqualified due to a mistake in the handoff, the first handoff. The recipient's hand touched the baton just before they had entered the handoff zone. You see, a premature handoff or a delayed handoff can lead to disqualification. I believe we're in the hands-off, or hand-off, not hands-off, hand-off zone. of Hedgesville Church's pastoral succession. I want you to think about this. Each of us, each of us need a sense of continuity and connectedness to previous and future generations. Taking the baton from the previous generation and then passing on the baton of faith and grace and leadership uh, to future generations. Now I want you to note something. You and I are just running one leg of the relay race. We're not the whole race, okay? We're just one leg of it. But we are an important and critical leg of it. And that one little leg that we run, let's run hard. And let's put everything we have within us into that race because it's a part of God's great eternal redemptive plan. Let's do it with all of our heart. And, and when we run that leg, be prepared to hand the baton on to the next person to run the next leg of the race. Amen? Well, part of our strategy has been to target young families in our area. And so that's the reason for the changes in music style and lighting and environment. So it would appeal to me as a youngster. And, uh, 
But you know, the exciting result has been that people of all ages uh, attend and serve at Hedgesville Church. A quote that, um, from a book that I've read several times in the last uh, year or so, it's called Next uh, Pastoral Succession That Works. Uh, a quote says, long established churches, and ours would fall into that category, we're, we're close to 100 years old, getting close. Long established churches are more often dominated by an older age group. The average age in a congregation tends to be the pastor's age minus about five years. Well, I guess if you take the average age, and I'm five years older than that, I'm probably about 40, 45. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, and last, okay, so, so the average age in the congregation tends to be the pastor's age minus about five years, unless certain exceptions are put into place. These age deluders might include a younger worship leader, Sam, a mixed-age preaching team, Chris and I, a worship host who is different age from the senior pastor, with the exception of this morning. That's usually the case. I'm joking, you're a lot younger than I am. And somebody said, I better get up here and stop him. He's going to preach. He was doing awesome today. And then other young faces who are regularly on the platform. Did you see all these young guys? They're punks, kids. <laughs> and so all of these age deluders are in place. And as you can see, it's worked well, extremely well. Our church has an excellent mix of old. And when I say old, I'm talking about Mary Murphy and Byrne. You know, she'll be 100 years old. Uh, and we're celebrating on the 20-something of November, uh, her 100-year birthday. Wow, 20th? Uh, yeah, yeah. They're amazing people. Yeah. So there's old, there's a mix of older and middle and younger families and youth and children. And so I'm delighted to hand off to you, Pastor Chris, what I believe is a healthy church. And, and you helped to make it that way uh, as well. Now, some of you know, at our last annual business meeting, you say, yeah, why haven't we had those? It's been several years. It's because we changed our constitution and bylaws. We don't have them anymore. But the church voted unanimously to allow the lead pastor to appoint his successor. And part of the reason is to bring in a pastor who has a similar vision to that of the, as that of the church and can work well within the church's culture. And so the board... And Pastor Chris and I have been working on this for several months. We've had discussions regarding the factors involved in this transition. And they are in agreement with my selection, which is the natural succession, uh, that Pastor Chris will follow me as lead pastor of Hedgesville Church. Reverend Ken Bertram, who's our district superintendent, will be with us on Sunday morning, uh, November the 27th for the pastor installation service, uh, at which time the pastoral role will officially uh, be handed over to Pastor Chris. Succession, I want you to know, is more, however, than just an event. It's more than just a pastor installation service. Succession is a process. And in a moment, I'll list some of the reasons why I believe Pastor Chris is a perfect choice. 
But I want you to know that he became that person through a process. He demonstrated loyalty at times when he most likely differed from my opinions on how things should be done. And although he didn't always voice those differences, I'm sure they were there. You say, well, how do you know? Because I was a staff person one time. And I served under a great pastor. But I just, I, I didn't agree with a lot of stuff he did. And I would have done it differently on a lot of occasions. But I remained absolutely loyal to him, uh, even when in that particular church, the board and some of the members were practically trying to assassinate him verbally in, in every way. And of course, the way I wanted to stand with him was to show my loyalty was just knock him out. But, um, but Pastor Chris has demonstrated loyalty. That's a process. Part of the process came about as Chris was included in the decision-making activity of our church. Although you know, many, if not most, pastors do not allow staff to be present at board meetings. Uh, but I believe the best way to understand the, the process is to be a part of it. And so Chris has been in our board meetings for years. And so uh, he understands the process. And as such, he's made valuable contributions there as well. Part of the process included hands-on training during the six months that I was hiking the Appalachian Trail on my sabbatical. Not many staff patchers get the opportunity uh, to do something like that. And that was extremely valuable. Part of the process has been sharing the pulpit over the last two or three years. We each have our own distinct preaching style. Chris has developed well over that time as an excellent preacher. So this succession is not just about an event. It's about a process. And so Pastor Chris, in my opinion, is the perfect choice. Uh, For these reasons and more, actually, uh, he's been a loyal staff member the entire time that I've served here. He's been involved in the change process that's occurred over that time. He's deeply immersed in the culture of our church, and he understands his DNA. He's younger than I am, but he's not a novice. He's a proven leader, having taken an interim leadership role five years ago during my sabbatical when the church told me to take a hike, and uh, I took them literally and did. He's a growing, learning, continuously improving leader. He's earned the respect of the people of the church, as well as our community, having lived here most of his life. As I already said, he's a very good preacher. And most importantly, I believe God has ordained for him to be the person that he has chosen. And so if you agree with me on these points, could you give it up for Pastor Chris? I've assured him that he'll have my wholehearted support as pastor. I don't really know how to express to each of you my thanks for the opportunity to pastor such an awesome congregation of people. Let me just say, not one of you is insignificant. You're all fantastic people. We're blessed with an amazing church board 
that faithfully serves the pastor and carefully monitors the finances of the church. We're blessed with the best staff in the district, in my opinion. And they have a deep passion to lead their areas of ministry with excellence while developing the next generation of leaders to which they can eventually pass the baton of leadership. We're blessed with excellent leaders of various departments within our church who are making significant impacts upon the lives of those to whom they minister as well as the world around them. And we're blessed with the greatest core of volunteers that I know of in our county who love to serve in various roles within the church. And we're blessed with the warmest, friendliest, most loving congregation to which I've been privileged to be a part. And so you're an incredible church. I just want you to know that I love each of you far more than you can imagine. So, I told you it wasn't a typical sermon. But you know that I haven't even read a text yet. Now I'll read a couple of verses as I close, so if the band wants to come up. But let me just refer your thoughts for later reading to a couple of examples of leadership transfer and succession in Scripture, such as the leadership transfer from Moses to Joshua. That's amazing. From Elijah to Elisha. From Paul to Timothy and to a few others. And from Jesus to his disciples or apostles. Both by word and deed, these demonstrated that success in ministry is defined by successors. And so let's read a scripture so we won't go without doing that. Because here's a passage that speaks to me currently in what is, in where it's found in, in Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15. The psalmist says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in an old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, The Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Now, I want to still bear fruit in old age, staying fresh and green. But of course, as I told the core partners last month when I made the announcement, that all of that is contingent upon Pastor Chris not invoking the default succession plan of some of the kings of the Old Testament, which was often assassination. (laughs) Notice that I left that out of the examples. I didn't put that in there. The incoming king would, would often obliterate the previous king and everything related to his life. Wipe out his family, his accomplishments, everything. And so my request, Chris, is would you at least let my beautiful wife and lovely family live? (laughs) If you endorse that request, would you stand? Mom, stand too. (laughs) Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this wonderful service. Thank you for your presence that we have sensed from the very beginning. Lord, you're here. We thank you for that. I thank you, God, for the future that 
awaits this church. Some amazing things are ahead for Hedgesville Church. Not just the pursuit of building a new sanctuary, but far beyond that, we're looking at ministries that you will call this church to, to accomplish. And I just pray that God, you will enlarge the vision. And I pray for Pastor Chris that uh, when he assumes this role in just a, a few short weeks, that you will just anoint him in every way with all that he needs, God, to successfully lead this church to the next level. So we commend him to you, God, as we commend my life continually into your hands as well. Have your way in every person's life that is here today. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness, your grace, your love, your mercy. And we give you praise for all of this. In Christ's name, amen.